Religiosanity, episode 25. That's right. Here with Pastor Andrew once again. Yes, hello, Peter. Hello. Yeah. And I thought that we can do something which uh, was recently in the news, or not directly, mm -hmm. uh, with the assassination of uh, General Soleimani. Right. And uh, the tension with Iran. I preached on it uh, Sunday after about our connection with ancient uh, Iranian culture and religion. And When you say "are," what you mean Christians connection or yes, Presbyterians yeah, 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 or yeah, 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 oh, Christian, yeah. Christian, uh, and actually Jewish as well. Oh. And uh, that is generally not that well known, but uh, I think it, it needs to be lifted up and uh, recognized. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a rich uh, mutual influencing. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I thought, uh, have you ever heard about Zoroastrians? No. So that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, Zoroastrianism uh, is a religion, ancient religion from Persia. Hmm. Uh, one of the oldest form of Indo-Aryan uh, religions that would be our white ancestors, really, mm -hmm. you know, or European ancestors. That's uh, Indo-Aryan uh, race mm -hmm. and languages. And uh, going back, they claim that it is like 6,000 before Common Era. Mm -hmm. Scholars are more doubtful about it. Uh, they think that uh, that founding prophet uh, Zoroaster or Zarathustra, and you might hear that name uh, or remember, Uh, that it was about 600 before Common Era or something like that. Uh, there, there is much doubt uh, and, and uncertainty uh, about it. But uh, he, he was clearly formative and, and uh, very deep uh, theological reformer. And uh, there, is, uh, there, there are clear signs of influence of Zoroastrianism uh, on Judaism and Christianity. Mm. Uh, mostly at the period of the Persian Empire. Uh, in our earlier episode, we talked about uh, Cyrus the Great, uh, Persian Emperor. So that'll be kind of... The, introduction of, of the tradition into Judaism and or that will be where it started. And uh, yes, uh, Cyrus in uh, Deutero Isaiah, uh, this uh, Persian emperor in Deutero Isaiah in between the chapters 40 and 54 is called uh, Mashiach. Uh, uh, Messiah, mm. the anointed of Yahweh. Mm. Uh, that, that means simply a royal of Yahweh. Okay, it, it does not have that uh, supernatural mm -hmm. salvific power still, like it gained in Christianity. Uh, that term simply means uh, crowned. 
you know, mm. were anointed. That mm. was the ritual of uh, establishing uh, royalty. Um, so uh, th it's th clearly recognized, and you know, of course, uh, his uh, his spiritual advisors were these Zoroastrian priests, uh, and interestingly, they were called Magi. And you can immediately recognize hmm. that we have it in New Testament as well, mm -hmm. in that legend about those Magi coming to pay homage to yeah. little Jesus uh, in Gospel of Matthew. Uh, of course, it's a legend, so there are, there are like discussions. Are these really Magi or is it just someone with an, you know, coming from East with a special... Hmm. Uh, insight and, and knowledge. Uh, but it is intriguing and interesting that, you know, we have here this connection uh, in the Hebrew Bible, uh, specifically in Isaiah, but elsewhere as well, uh, like Daniel and others, uh, and then in New Testament as well. So those are the direct mentions. Mm -hmm. And then besides that, uh, you can have indirect influences or influences which are not readily recognized or you might not be aware that they were uh, present but were instrumental in shaping our, our religion, our faith. And uh, starting with religion uh, and shaping our religion, uh, it is becoming clearer and clearer that this Persian period after Cyrus the Great and during the Persian Empire was an instrumental period for, uh, you know, codifying uh, the law, hmm. the five books of Moses, because Persians were administering large areas from India to Asia Minor from uh, Caspian Sea and Black Sea, the plains of Kazakhstan and, and you know, those areas, down to the southern borders of Egypt. Uh, and um, they were administering it very, very effectively with a lot of uh, tolerance and respect to local customs. But in order to do that, they needed to know those customs so that they could administer it. And they, we know that they insisted in codifying those customs in those whichever areas. Mm. And one of those areas was Judea and Jewish people. And so uh, there are signs uh, and even records uh, that they requested that the laws would be put down <laughs> uh, and, and rules and the cultural customs uh, put down in writing. Mm. And uh, nowadays, more and more scholars think that this is really the true trigger into codifying the, the biblical laws of Moses. Mm. So that is um, one of the signs uh, which people might not recognize that actually came from the culture influenced by Zoroastrianism 
that uh, they themselves did not write their uh, Avesta uh, for quite a while. Uh, their time came under the influence of uh, Islam mm. and they needed to be a religion of a book. Mm. You know, most of it was uh, individually preserved or in oral tradition. They were written, of course, uh, but not codified as such, as, as one book. So in that way, though, <clears throat> did, did, did the, code, the codification that they influenced on Judaism, mm -hmm. did Judaism actually influence the codification eventually of, of Islam? Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so you you see here the, this constant cross pollination yeah. uh, and 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 mutual influencing. You are absolutely right. Mm. Uh, so this is one aspect. Uh, another aspect might be theological or spiritual more than this just religious uh, mm -hmm. religious books. And that theological and spiritual is that in uh, Zoroastrianism that was a dualistic religion. There was a good God and bad God. Uh, I, I'm simplifying it, of course, uh, and there are names for them, of course. Uh, so Ahura Mazda was that good and positive God force. Uh, and uh, Angra Manyu was uh, that the power of evil, uh, they had different names also in, uh, in their tradition. So Ahura Mazda would be in certain times called Hormazd, while Angramanyu was Ahriman. And these two gods or these two forces would spare over the world with their companions. Uh, that was the drama of history and uh, of the world. Also explanation why the world is so full of injustice, for instance. Mm. This whole concept, I think, definitely further pushed the monetization of the Jewish religion. Uh, until then, there are certain signs of polytheistic aspects of the life. Not necessarily in the temple in Jerusalem, but people certainly respected and uh, worshipped mm -hmm. other deities. And there are again quite nice examples of that. Uh, or it depends how you view it. Of course, you know, if you are orthodox, then it is not nice. It's heretical. But uh, for me as an anthropologist, it's interesting and clear example of polytheism uh, in the temple in Elephantine uh, in Egypt. There was a Jewish temple, I think, that we talked about it uh, some other time. Uh, yeah. And uh, they're, they're very clearly deities besides Yahweh. I think over there it was goddess Anat who was uh, worshipped and is mentioned uh, as a guarantor of, of, uh, of covenants, uh, of agreements uh, there. Uh, so, uh, but under this influence of Persian uh, religion, uh, Judaism became more and more monotheistic. 
So here you have an example how dualistic religion is actually influencing another religion to become more monotheistic. Mm. Uh, and that dualism will also help to explain why the world is the way it is in Zoroastrian religion. That had influence over Judaism and Christianity. Uh, you might remember, for instance, uh, Book of Job. Mm -hmm. And uh, over there, his misfortune is explained through dualistic model. Of course, the supreme God is Yahweh, the Lord, but uh, Satan as an tempter, mm -hmm. you know, or questioner, is employed there to... It's almost like they're working together. They are working together. Yeah. The, the Satan is working under uh, command mm -hmm. of, of God, but uh, is given freedom to really put Job through torment. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, it's not dualism. It keeps that monotheistic perspective but has certain aspects of dualism and that whole concept of Satan as an adversary and this powerful adversary over the world is, is definitely coming from Zoroastrianism, mm. you know, and gain force uh, over, um, over Judaism and Christianity as a fallen angel or, you know, mm. there are different explanations. But, um, so that's one aspect. And then from New Testament, uh, you can recognize how often there is this, uh, these stories about healings, about the demons. So this uh, uh, incorporation into the worldview of demons in much larger and more forceful way is considered to be also coming from Zoroastrianism mm. because, of course, uh, Angra Manu, uh, Ahriman, uh, is not the only one uh, on the evil side. He is being surrounded by a retinue of other forces. Mm. And demons are usually how they are being described. Oh, that that belief in demons as an malevolent uh, aspects have been around for very long. You know, you can date it back to uh, the times of um, Sumerians, really. But they are becoming more dominant and then casting out demons mm. uh, as, mm -hmm. as an eschatological uh, struggle uh, is, is also quite nicely uh, preserved, in, even in some sayings ascribed to Jesus. You know, when he is being challenged, for instance, that he is casting demons in the name of uh, the Lord of demons, mm. uh, he says, you know, the kingdom cannot be divided. Mm. Yeah, you know, so uh, it'll be self-defeating, mm. and and that way, that's 
similar to logic of Zoroastrianism, mm. really difficult to trace it back directly, but those influences are definitely present here. So here you have several aspects of that, you know, uh, literally mentioned in the Bible, in the Hebrew Bible or in the New Testament, even in the form of those legends about Magi, uh, and then helping uh, being an instrumental force towards mm -hmm. codification of the Bible, like a trigger leading mm -hmm. towards it. Uh, and then these spiritual influences, uh, which still uh, exercise their power over religion and faith of our contemporaries. Mm -hmm and uh, offer us some insights or the ways of dealing with uh, realities of our life and, and, and our spiritual struggles. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, uh, here we are with the Zoroastrianism coming to us from Persia yeah. uh, and uh, having this profound influence uh, uh, over us. And especially because people don't know it they should know it so that they really recognize the, their shared roots and shared humanity and shared uh, religious background and, and faith. Of course, it's not identical. And Zoroastrianism was forced out of Iran predominantly. There are still some remaining traces of Zoroastrian communities there, uh, because uh, Islam just took over there. But interestingly, uh, there are also certain signs that even Islam got influenced from within by this Zoroastrianism right there. Mm -hmm. not, in di not only indirectly, like you pointed out before, you know, by the detour through mm -hmm. Judaism and Christianity, but directly there. And that would establish at least some of those differences between Sunni and Shia. Mm -hmm. And Shia being predominantly Iranian form of Islam, uh, there are scholars who are pointing out that uh, simply by the virtue of sharing the same territory with Zoroastrianism, they absorbed certain aspects of mm. uh, uh, aspects of Zoroastrian religion. Mm. Uh, another strong aspect where it is being actually observed is uh, eschatology. And that, you know, when you open, especially New Testament, you will recognize that immediately. Mm. You know, that is a very powerful driving force behind New Testament. And that is, to substantial extent, coming from, uh, from Zoroastrianism, because you, you have here this uh, sparing of forces of good and forces of evil, but that leads towards the final conflagration and major conflict at the end of the history. Mm. And that is coming directly from Zoroastrianism. Mm. You know, that f notion of the final judgment. Oh, wow. Uh, 
And if, if I put it that way, you recognize that this is uh, how, yeah. how powerful and important that is for shaping Christianity. We still, you know, theologically struggle with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because especially early on, there was this very, very shortened expectation. Uh, but something like that is present in... Uh, Shia Islam as well. There are certain sects within the Shia uh, Islam where there is this heightened expectation of, of what we in the Christian theology would call eschaton, the final battle. Mm. It is on the edge of being heretical within Islam. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it is present there. So here you have uh, how it is uh, mutually uh, influencing. And I'm here on quite a thin ice because I am more Christian than a uh, Muslim theologian. Mm -hmm. or, uh, I cannot even claim that in the slightest. Mm -hmm. But I, I just want to share at least some of what I, I read and, and mm -hmm. heard and, and saw. Uh, and, uh, you know, because I think that the more we know, the, the better. And let us hope that, uh, you know, we can all live in peace uh, because that would be one of the important lessons from these mythical stories. Yes. To show us the limits of violence. Yes. And, uh, and, and danger. I, I would put it like negatively. Yeah. Okay. Turning yeah. it on its head. Uh, as much as Zoroastrianism is built about that uh, fight of good and evil, and reminding us that the good will be victorious. Yeah. At the same time, it also negatively shows the limits of this uh, yes. conflict theology. Yes. And and let us hope for and peaceful future. Yes. Amen. Until next time.